Welcome to Evolve Nutrition Radio, where you learn how to ditch the diet mentality and deconstruct your health and fitness goals into habits you can do for the rest of your life. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in, and I want to welcome you all to another episode of Evolve Nutrition Radio. I'm your host, Alex McMahon, and this is episode two, Should You Be Intermittent Fasting? So as of late, I've gotten a lot of questions from people about intermittent fasting and about ketogenic diets and what my personal thoughts are on them and how they fit into that person's personal plan. And to be honest, you know, I thought that I've gotten enough of them lately that this would be a great platform for me to kind of share my thoughts and my own personal experience with intermittent fasting. I recently did a blog post on ketogenic diets and I'll be doing probably a uh, podcast on it here in the future, but that would probably be a fun podcast to try to get somebody else on it that just knows way more than me um, to bring other people a lot of value and to give you exposure to another expert in the field that would know a lot more on the subject than I personally do. So uh, when it comes down to intermittent fasting, essentially it is avoiding calories for a certain period of time and then consuming all of your calories within a specific window. So a popular one that a lot of people will do is called lean gains and it's when you fast and don't consume any calories with the exception of maybe a few tablespoons of cream in your coffee and some branch chain amino acids if you're gonna do it while working out. Um, where you don't eat for 16 hours and then you eat all of your calories for the day within a eight hour window. So typically people use intermittent fasting to help with kind of fat loss. Uh, I personally use it to give my digestive system a break and then other people will use it and one of the benefits of it is a certain cellular housekeeping called autophagy where your cells become very efficient and they kind of clean up all the damaged cells and all the debris within them to make sure that they work better. Instead of focusing that energy on trying to generate new cells, they just kind of maximize the efficiency of the cells that are already operating in the body. So one of the one of the things that I really want to stress here is that when you're deciding whether intermittent fasting is going to be a good approach for you or not, um, think about it in terms of intermittent fasting is a approach and there are lots and lots of effective approaches out there for people that get you to where you want to go. So if, inter- if you try intermittent fasting and you figure out that you feel like crap on it, that you don't do very well, your energy is you know just bottoming out, try something else. Because the thing is, it's one approach, but there's a ton of effective approaches, approaches out there that will help you to get to your goal. So when it comes to intermittent fasting and kind of the two phases that we have, we are always somewhat in either a fed state where we've eaten calories and we're storing or a fasted state where we're not eating calories and we're currently burning them. So when you think between those two stages, uh, fasting is when we are going to be burning calories. So people will typically be doing a little bit better at burning fat during that specific phase. Now, another important point that I want to bring up is that intermittent fasting is a stress on the body and there are certain people who aren't going to do very well with it. So if you have um, any kind of adrenal problems or adrenal fatigue, intermittent fasting is not going to be for you. Um, Also, people who are high-performing athletes um, are probably not going to do very well on intermittent fasting just because their body is going to require so much glycogen and glucose that taking a long period of time where they're not eating is going to damage probably their training and their recovery as well. So both of those things could suffer. And then also... Because intermittent fasting is honestly a stress on the body, if you already have enough stressors such as inadequate sleep, 
such as a severe caloric deficit, you're not, um, you know, you have a very stressed lifestyle and all these other things, intermittent fasting could be just another source of stress that kind of breaks the straw on the camel's back and it could potentially end up doing a lot more damage for you than it actually provides any kind of benefit. So in that case, somebody can actually end up with a worse body composition, disrupted sleep, and feeling horrible instead of losing fat, feeling energetic, and enjoying the process. So just take that into account when you decide whether you're going to be intermittent fasting or not is the fact that it is a stressor on the body and your capacity to handle a stressor and to be able to recover from it and to come out the back end stronger is completely dependent on how you recover from stress and making sure that you have the proper recovery in place that your body can manage it. If your body can't and the burden of all those stressors is more than you're uh, able to handle, then that is, will that is when dysfunction and things like that will start to happen in the body. So keep that in mind when you start thinking about whether intermittent fasting might be a appropriate approach for you to use or not. So I myself, um, I've, I've experimented with multiple different facets of intermittent fasting before. I, uh, I've done the 16, the 18, the 24, and I've pushed it out as far as a 32-hour fast before. And I typically do mine to give my digestive system a break because digestion is something that I've always kind of struggled with. So I notice that I do a little bit better when I have two bigger meals and snacking if I need it than if I do three meals. Um, I usually have my workouts in the morning as well. So I don't like to work out with a full stomach. So I'll typically have a little bit of coffee and then go right into my workout. And then afterwards, I'll have some branched chain amino acids and I will fast until lunchtime, which is usually right around noon. And it just digestively works for me. I do a lot of my creative work, like my writing and things like that in the morning. And I feel a little bit more cognitively sharp as well. So that's what works for me. I'm not saying that that's going to be the best approach for you, but that is personally kind of what I do. Um, and then afterwards, typically what I'll do is my lunch will look a little bit more like some veggies with a source of starch if I've worked out and lifted weights in the morning and done some conditioning. If it's just conditioning, I might do some, you know, veggies and fat and protein. And then at nighttime, I'll typically always have my biggest portion of carbohydrates to make sure that I have some glycogen in my muscles because I'll be working out the next day. So I'll typically always do that. It just makes my digestive system feel a lot better. I've been playing around with carbs and fat and things like that. And I'm going to do an entire podcast in the future kind of on my evolving thoughts on ketogenic low-carb diets and uh, my results as of late when I've been increasing the amount of carbohydrates that I've had in my diet. So stay tuned for that. But kind of reining things back in, um, let's get back to talking about fasting. So the chances are pretty good that you're already doing some form of a fast every single night without even realizing it. So if you're sleeping roughly seven to eight hours a night, you're already engaging in a little bit of a mini fast. So typically people will take that into account. So people always want to maximize on that. So usually folks will cut off eating right around eight or nine if they're doing a 16 hour fast. And then they'll sleep throughout the night, they'll wake up the next day, and then they will either skip breakfast or they'll have black coffee or coffee with a couple tablespoons of cream in it. And then their first meal will be either around noon or one o'clock. So there's a lot of different variations when it comes to fasting, kind of like I touched on a little bit. So there's the lean gain style where people will go 16 hours fasting, all their calories within a eight hour window. 
There's another one popularized by a guy named Brad Pilon, and it's called Eat, Stop, Eat, and it is where you'll eat, and then you'll do a 24-hour fast, and then you'll eat again. So typically, he advises that you do one to two 24-hour fasts throughout the week, and it's a really easy way to create a caloric deficit and to also just give your body a little bit of a break from eating. So we're going to be touching more on the hormones and things that go into why it could be beneficial to give your body a break from eating a little bit later in the podcast. So the different variations of fasting, they all include either extremely restricting calories or entirely removing them for a certain period of time. There is another form of fasting, which isn't actually full-on fasting because you will be consuming calories called the 5-2 diet. And it's where somebody will eat normally for five days and then for two days, they'll consume very low calories. I think somewhere in the range of 500 calories for the day. So, well, there's a... Well, there's different lengths of fasts that people go through. It's been shown in multiple studies that the real magic starts to kind of happen in the you know 14 to 18 hour mark for a lot of people. So that's where most of the fasts will actually have you at is going you know a minimum of 16 hours and as long as you know 24. Some of them start to get when when they start to get a little bit long, some of the benefits can actually go away and it can start to do a little bit more damage to people. Um, then again, everybody's totally different. Everybody's a bio-individual. So a 72-hour fast could you know, severely cause somebody to bottom out. Another person, it may actually provide some benefit, but it just proves that it, you know, nutrition is so individual. Everybody's context really does matter. And, and part of the reason that fasting hasn't really gained or gotten any popularity with people is the fact that our society has been kind of sold on the idea that you have to take a certain supplement, you have to eat a certain food, you have to, you know, vilify a certain macronutrient to be able to lose fat. And it's all kind of predicated on the diet, on the idea that you need to buy something to be able to lose the fat. Whereas something like intermittent fasting is entirely free and doesn't require you to buy any products at all for it. And you can still lose fat doing it. But the interesting thing is that most people have been following the idea that you need to consume smaller, more frequent meals throughout the day because it has a uh, metabolic boost to it, essentially. They think it boosts your metabolism. However, that isn't necessarily true. The, the interesting thing is that anytime you eat, your, met your metabolic rate will be slightly boosted because your body is always going to have to contribute a certain amount of calories to digest and break down foods that you eat. And the macronutrient profile, those foods you eat, the amount of carbohydrates, the amount of fats, and the amount of proteins can slightly differ the amount of calories you'll burn in those meals. But if you have a meal that is calorically identical and macronutrient identical, the amount of calories that you would burn in response to that meal, known as the thermic effect of food, would be the exact same whether you broke that up into six smaller meals or two bigger ones. So the whole idea that it boosts your metabolic rate to eat more frequently throughout the day is just kind of flat out false, assuming that meals are calorically and macronutrient-wise the exact same. Let's start covering some of the benefits of intermittent fasting. There's some really interesting things that happen in the body and to people when they decide to fast for a bit. And one of the cool things that I actually have experienced and that it does get you in touch with real hunger. So I think a lot of the eating that people do throughout the day isn't necessarily because they're hungry. I think a lot of it has to do with habit. It has to do with boredom. When you are abstaining from consuming any calories really and you're not going to eat, when you do eat, it really makes you kind of understand what the true feeling of hunger is and then what 
on the outside of that is actually just snacking what is boredom. And I think that's really good. I think that we are a society right now that kind of suffers from overabundance. We, we, we have calories that are way too easy to get, and that's reflected in a lot of the health challenges that we have as a society right now. So I think that from time to time, experiencing true hunger and getting in touch with what that actually is um, has benefits to it because then it lets you know, you know, I may feel a tiny bit hungry right now, but I can actually wait a little bit to eat if there's poor quality foods or if I'm traveling or something like that. So it really does give you a lot of freedom around foods because you don't feel like you have to eat every three hours. You have this freedom where you know, hey, this isn't really that strong of a hunger signal. I can put it off for a tiny bit of time because I'm going to wait for better foods or I'm traveling and I don't have the time right now and I know that I won't be able to sit down and be in a relaxed state when I do eat. So I think that it just gives you a lot of freedom around food and really gets you in touch with your hunger signal a lot better. One of the other benefits is that it helps you to decrease body fat and body weight. And so we're going to be covering a lot more in detail how it actually does that. But one of the main ways that it does it is um, through some of the hormones that are upregulated that will actually help you to burn fat. And then with fasting, it's an easy way to create a caloric deficit. So that means um, it, it's an easy way for you to eat fewer calories without actually having to diet every single day, without actually having to go through and work really hard at it. You can just kind of consider intermittent fasting you know, an easy way to eat fewer calories and still, uh, you know, not suffer as though you're dieting. So I think that it's an easy way to do that. An interesting thing is that it will reduce your blood glucose levels. So what happens is when you're in a, when you're in the fasted state, essentially your body will switch from mainly using glucose from carbohydrates and from sugar to using fatty acids from your body fat. So uh, an interesting thing is that with high fasting glucose levels, most of the time that will cause us to have lots of uh, insulin in the body. And when we have high levels of insulin, our, our capacity to be able to burn body fat will be greatly reduced. So when we have um, reduced glucose because our body's tapping into stored body fat, then we will also have the ability to have a little bit lower insulin levels, which is going to be beneficial. So we'll have decreased insulin and we'll also have an increase in another hormone that works opposite of insulin called glucagon. So um, essentially insulin tells the body to store calories and glucagon tells the body to um, kind of pull calories out and start using them. So whenever we have high levels of insulin because we've been eating too much or too frequently, we're going to be in more of kind of a storage mode and unable to release our fat from our fat stores. So again, like when we're eating too much and too frequently, we're going to have a really hard time because our insulin is going to be so high tapping into our body fat and to release that fat so that we can use it as a fuel source. Now, when we fast for periods, we actually allow our body to have a lower level of circulating insulin, and we will actually end up with more of the hormone glucagon, which helps us to pull fat and to pull glycogen out of stores and use that fuel. So it will actually put us in more of a balance where typically in the American diet, we will have high levels of insulin all the time because we're constantly eating, we're constantly eating the wrong kinds of food. And an easy way to balance this equation so that we have glucagon and insulin kind of leveled out and on a more level playing field, which is going to be more conducive to fat loss, is to kind of fast for a period of time. So um, insulin is kind of equaling to fat storage, glucagon is going to equal to fat burning, and fasting allows us to balance our insulin with our glucagon. 
Another kind of cool thing is that it's going to, by fasting, we will be able to increase lipolysis and uh, fat oxidation. So lipolysis is essentially when fat cells are released and they're kind of directed into the bloodstream to be burned. And then beta oxidation is once these fatty acids are transported through our body to the mitochondria, which are kind of like the engines or the powerhouses of our cell to be burned up. Um, when they go through that process, beta oxidation or uh, fat oxidation, they can now be used for energy. So when we are fasting, our body increases the release of these fatty acids and then our cells can uptake them at a higher rate to be able to burning. So the body will actually take a break from storing fat and instead will burn it. So that is what uh, the increased lipolysis and fat oxidation means is that our fat cells will more readily dump our body fat our, that's been converted into our fatty acids into the bloodstream and then our body will direct those to the proper cells and the muscles and the organs to use them up at a much uh, at a much higher rate than we normally would if we weren't fasting. The next thing is we will have increased epinephrine and norepinephrine, also known as adrenaline and noradrenaline. So these are going to be our fight or flight hormones that are typically associated with a stress response. And these are both going to be uh, a category of stress hormones called catecholamines. So they're released during, like I said, times of stress. And kind of when food is scarce or when we're also exercising very intensely, we will have adrenaline or noradrenaline, more of it in our body. So they typically cause glucose to be mobilized and for fat to be released and burned for energy. And they're also kind of what allows us to feel awake and alert. So that could be part of the reason that when people are fasting, a lot of folks will note that they feel cognitively a little bit sharper. I think that's part of the reason that I enjoy doing it. And then that's why I like to write after I've been fasting for a certain period of time is that I do feel a little bit sharper. I feel cognitively my ability to concentrate and to get a lot of work done early in the morning is kind of improved. So I, I personally know that I benefit from that. So um, fasting increases both adrenaline and noradrenaline. And so it allows us to um, kind of increase the blood sugar levels that we have and mobilize fatty acids as a source of fuel. So as you can see, we're talking about hormones quite a bit and how fasting is upregulating a lot of these hormones and a lot of these processes in the body that allow us to actually tap into our body fat stores. And we are usually only able to do this when we're in a fasted state and abstaining from consuming any kind of calories for a period of time. The one thing that I do have to note is that with adrenaline nor adrenaline, just like with all of the hormones in the body, we want those to be balanced. We don't want too many of those stress hormones because you can actually become adrenaline resistant. Now, an interesting fact is that um, the majority of our adrenaline receptors are actually in our midsection. So that, that belly fat that's really difficult for a lot of people to get rid of um, is actually due to the fact that we live such a stressed lifestyle, whether it be from eating the wrong foods, whether it be from uh, psychological or social stresses, whether it be from over-exercising, not eating enough, not sleeping enough, overconsumption of caffeine, your adrenaline receptors in your midsection can actually get burned out. And when those adrenaline receptors in your midsection get burned out, you develop adrenaline resistance, which means that your body actually has a harder time mobilizing that stored body fat in your midsection. So that's why people who are highly stressed out a lot of the time will actually end up with a much larger belly, even if the rest of their body has kind of thinned out a little bit, is that adrenaline resistance makes it a lot more difficult for your body to to take that belly fat out and to use it as a stored source of fuel. So um, that's why we want to have a little bit shorter fast. We don't want to stretch them out too long because then that source of stress on the body can become too much for most people to handle.
So also uh, fasting will help to increase growth hormone and growth hormone helps us to maintain lean mass, especially in times of food scarcity. So muscle mass is a much more metabolically active tissue, which means that we have to actually burn a lot more calories to maintain it. So one of the common myths is that intermittent fasting kills your metabolism and slows it down. However, the surge in growth hormone from fasting allows us to hold on to our muscle mass and ha having a greater amount of muscle mass will actually help to keep our metabolic rate elevated when we're fasting. So it's actually the only anabolic hormone that's increased by fasting. And like I'd kind of mentioned, the more muscle mass that we have, it's going to help us to keep an elevated metabolic rate and growth hormone is going to help to make sure that we actually preserve that muscle mass in turn, uh, helping us to keep a higher metabolic rate as we're fasting. Um, again, it's going to decrease chronic systemic inflammation. And the thing is, most people have a lot of inflammation in the body. So by abstaining from a lot of the foods that people eat that are chronically inflammatory for them, it's going to give their body a time to kind of rest. Um, interesting fact is that with inflammation, um, a lot of the modern problems that we have in our society, a lot of the diseases that we have are actually somewhat rooted in inflammation. However, inflammation isn't bad. It's that we, we think have things out of balance. So we, we have a lot more inflammation than our body can anti-inflame. So we require inflammation to be able to trigger the anti-inflammatory properties that are going to be necessary for healing. Um, and we're designed to handle acute inflammation that's short in duration and intense but now we have a lot of chronic inflammation in our lifestyle that allow that kind of overburdens the body and causes it to make mistakes. So um, because inflammation is linked to so many diseases and obesity, anything that we can do to lower it is always going to be of benefit to our health. Um, it just so happens that fasting also helps with fat loss and helps to lower that inflammation. So like I'd alluded to a little bit earlier in the podcast, fasting is also going to help with a cellular cleaning process called autophagy. So um, it, it's kind of the way, the body's way to clean up and repair the damage and malfunctioning parts of cells. Um, and it also happens, it, it needs to happen before cells can grow and repair. So um, essentially all day long, cellular, the, all day long we have cellular reactions taking place inside of the body. And these can lead to kind of damage, uh, just like the miles that you would put on a car. So from time to time, you need to go see your mechanic. You can kind of view uh, autophagy as our, our cells mechanics that come in and kind of repair everything. And the body can repair this wear and tear when it's given the opportunity. And fasting gives the body the opportunity to actually go in and to start to manage these, uh, you know, kind of anti-aging cellular housekeeping that's going to allow the cells to run more efficiently. So whenever we're eating, it actually kind of prevents this autophagy um, and then when we take times of fasting, it gives the body, the, the body would rather allocate that energy that it would be using to, to grow new cells to cleaning up the ones that we have because we're in a time where energy is scarce. So by sending that signal that energy is scarce, the body will actually work on the cells that it already has rather than trying to go in and replicate other ones. That's a little bit on like kind of the benefits of fasting. An important note though is that um, it's not always going to be the most healthy approach for people. And I want to cover some of the things that can happen with fasting that may not be healthy. So if somebody fasts for too long or it, it's not an appropriate fit for them and they already have too much stress in their life, 
Um, men can see drops in a series of hormones such as DHEA, luteinizing hormone, and follicle-stimulating uh, follicle hormone, and testosterone due to excessive fasting and adrenaline resistance and uh, cortisol. So when you have too much cortisol, your body will engage in what's called the pregnenolone steal. And what that is, is in an overly stressed state, your body will prioritize the production of stress hormones. And to be able to do that, because we have a limited amount of raw materials, the body will actually steal the hormonal precursors from the rest of your body to support the production of those stress hormones. Um, and this can lead to fatigue, mood swings, it can lead to muscle loss, erectile problems in men. Um, but typically with adequate carbs and fat and calories in the diet and not too, not too much stress, it can be avoided. So because women's hormonal systems and metabolisms are a little bit more sensitive to energy intake than men's, fasting can definitely impact them differently. So especially if they're trying to combine uh, intermittent fasting with over-exercising and lower calorie days, um, women are more likely to have metabolic problems that develop and it can severely uh, impact their cycle and disrupt their hormones, DHEA, estrogen, and progesterone. So another thing is that when this does happen, it can negatively impact the thyroid and the adrenal glands for both sexes, for both men and women. So this is why we don't want to take fasting too far. Um, you know, a 16-hour fast from time to time, maybe an 18 or 24-hour fast from time to time, but don't just because a little bit is good, don't assume that going on a 48 or 72 hour fast is going to be the right thing for you. And again, you want to warm up to these kinds of things. So maybe you wake up and one day you skip breakfast. And then, you know, in, instead of having lunch at like noon or one, you have it at like 1130 or something and kind of, you know, build your way up to it. So while there are some hormonal benefits that come from fasting, um, there can also be some uh, kind of hormonal drawbacks as well. So you definitely want to keep those in mind when it comes to, you know, whether you're deciding whether fasting is right for you. So again, this is again, uh, just kind of a breakdown of my own personal experience with fasting. I wanted to answer a lot of questions that I got from people and kind of give some, some benefits, a few drawbacks and kind of talk about how it could, uh, how it could possibly fit for you, but how it might also not be the best route for you to go when it like to catch up with me you can find me over at evolvenutritionaltherapy.com my blog is on there eat to evolve that's where i take a lot of the subjects that we discuss in this podcast and kind of elaborate on them you can find me on instagram at evolve nutritional therapy you can email me at evolve nt period pdx and you can find me on twitter at evolve nt pdx thanks for listening i'll talk to you again soon